You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Welcome to the second episode of the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, alongside of me, co-host Justin Raffoff. Yeah, uh, you know we have we have a few games uh, to kind of recap and uh, kind of you know plenty to discuss, and we'll uh, we'll be able to kind of do that over over the next uh, part of the show, and uh, hopefully, um, you know that uh, you find it interesting, and you know can uh, hopefully. Uh, come back when we have more to talk about in a few weeks with uh, some more games under our belt. Yeah, and uh, we have the non-league schedule to recap now. As we did, we did our preview show a few weeks back, just kind of looking ahead to the entire season. Now we're back here with episode two, and we're going to talk about the first three games that the Wilson Bulldogs 2015 team has played already. We had two away games and a home game this past Friday night, and we're going to break down all three before looking ahead to the next few weeks leading up to what will be the third episode of the show uh, sometime in mid-October. We'll, we'll kind of get you caught up to speed of the first few league games that have been played, uh, starting with uh, this coming Friday where the Bulldogs will travel to play Lancaster McCaskey. Okay, but tonight, again, we're going to be talking about the non-league schedule. We have highlights to show you. We have players of the game to talk about. You know, there's uh, some some great plays and, and uh, just... A lot of good stuff to talk about this evening uh, from the games at Mifflin, at CD East, and then home versus Central Dolphin. And I think we're going to start right away with, well, probably the best place to start is against Mifflin with the uh, the big, the hyped up match at the beginning of the year, the first game of the season. And uh, it, it was a, definitely an interesting game to begin with because there was a lot of hype surrounding uh the wilson team a little bit of a rebuilding atmosphere in terms of the mustangs they lost a lot from their team in 2014 which is a very strong squad from last season and a lot of people i think were expecting this to be a a big wilson victory i don't think they expected mifflin to hang around uh but hang around they did and they made it quite a game for a long time uh, Wilson was able to come out on top. The Bulldogs came away with the victory 14-3. to But I think it was anything but what was anticipated when we were doing this show about a month ago. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Um, I, I would say, it, it, while it may not be what was anticipated by many, um, I w- in no way would consider it a surprise just because, you know, it sounds cliche, but anytime you have those two big rivals – uh, going up against each other, you really don't know what you're going to get, and we've seen that in this series over and over and over again. Um, you know, they've played a lot of times, and sometimes you, you think you know what the outcome is going to be, and it just doesn't turn out that way. Um, fortunately for the Bulldogs, um, while it may not have turned out exactly how everyone kind of was anticipating, um, they were still on the on the positive end, and were able to kind of you know battle through, and uh, the defense. Uh, kind of uh, gave up more yards than they would have typically liked uh, to have given up, especially on the ground. However, again, against Mifflin, uh, that's that's going to be um, a challenge. They're going to push you there. and um, But the Bulldogs did hang on to win 14-3. Uh, to They were able to get some things going 
um, on offense at times, but then, uh, you know, some key mistakes and just kind of, uh, you know, a, a play t- or a play here and there can kind of, you know, put you behind uh, your marks. And then next thing you know, you're in third and long and, you know, something like that. And it's just not a, a tough situation to keep drives going. Yeah, we should have maybe been not not us in particular, but maybe the atmosphere surrounding it from the community and the media. Maybe they should have been up on uh, the expectations of the game a little bit better. You know, it's easy in hindsight to say that. You know, to expect a team bringing back a lot of players to just run over a team that maybe isn't as experienced as expected. But we heard Coach Walber mention on the show when we did the interview with him in the preseason mm-hmm. about there wasn't a lot of depth and experience or they weren't playing very cohesive as a unit along the defensive line and take some time to get those players, uh, you know, playing together as a unit. We saw that team last year do that very well. This year they were trying to find their identity. And Coach Waldo mentioned in that interview that it was going to be tough at the beginning of the year because of the teams they were facing in weeks one and three being Mifflin and Central Dolphin. They were going to test how good the defensive line was. And you mentioned it wasn't, a spectacular defensive effort against Mifflin. And it's right. it's kind of laughable to say that they gave up three points. Right. You know? But in terms of Wilson defense, they were able to do the, you know, cliche stereotype, bend but don't break. They give, didn't give up the real big play. They didn't give up any touchdowns. Sure, they gave up 213 uh, net rushing yards um, and 244 total offensive yards. But no touchdowns. I mean, if you're only giving up three three points on a f- single field goal right before halftime, you should win that game. And obviously, the Bulldogs did do that. Right. Exactly. So, like you said, it, you know, it's kind of tough to sit here and say, oh, the defense was was okay." Um, when we want to look at it, and then essentially, basically, what it comes down to was, yeah, it was okay. They gave up three points. Like three points. You know, you have to win that game. Like I don't, I don't really care who you're playing or what the situation. You, you only give up three points. You need to win that game. And the Bulldogs were able to get enough going on offense and finish enough, uh, you know, of the time to be able to kind of um, get those 14 points. Right. And uh, one of the things that the defense also was able to do, they were very fortunate. They were able to create turnovers, getting the ball back in their offense's hands. Uh, you had two interceptions, one each by uh, senior leaders like Sean Hour and John Fox, and then also a fumble recovery recovery by outside linebacker Jake Klein. So they were able to make a play when it mattered. When they, you know, they were giving up time of possession and driving yards to the Mifflin offense, but they ended three drives with turnovers, and that was huge to keep uh, them off the scoreboard and give the ball back to uh, your offense, and hopefully that they could get. Uh, things clicking and, and advance down the field. Now at halftime it was seven to three, so I think probably sweating it in the in the stands, the visiting stands for sure, because like I said, the expectations coming to the game was going to be that this should be Wilson's game to lose. Right. And you know, uh, it's kind of one of those things, like we said, you know, it, it's tough to gauge and we talked about this on the previous preview show. It's tough to gauge kind of where teams are at. You have the scrimmages, you have all those things, but until you line up against the team on that, on that first week, it can be difficult to kind of really uh, anticipate where where teams are going to be. All right, I think. That being said, I think Mifflin went on in week two to. Um, they beat be up on Lancaster Catholic, handily, yeah, and then I think they lost this past week uh, to Manheim Township. I'm not 100 percent sure. They did. No, you are yeah. correct. The Mifflin went on to beat up on Lancaster Catholic pretty good. I think like uh, 42-14 or something. Yeah, like and that. then Manheim Township came back and did. A, a similar thing to them right. in week three. So Mifflin is sitting there at one and two, 
but you know, no pushovers. They're not. They're not playing anyone that. Uh, you know, the two losses to Wilson and Township, who are expected to be two right. of the best, if not the best teams in Lancaster Lebanon League Section One, and two very strong teams in District Three Quad A. So, you know, one, one and two. Okay, yeah, you'd like to be a little bit better, but it's they're certainly going to be prepared for their uh, first league. Uh, you know, league yeah, part one, and they uh, have some interesting schedule. games against. Uh, they'll play Reading and Exeter. Yeah, they play this Reading year, this week so, actually. Uh, that you know, they could, could be some interesting games for them, but. All right, so enough of us talking about it. Why don't we move on and show you some of the highlights and go over uh, some of the uh, events that happened in that first Mifflin game. And uh, we have some offensive and defensive uh, highlights here to show you, so let's get right to that. All right, first up here is at the beginning of the game to end their first drive, which would take almost eight minutes of play, was an Ike Schonauer interception. Now, he did actually fumble the return, but it was recovered by Jake Gaiman. And so the first big play we had to talk about was that interception. It was huge. It, the, Mifflin was driving down the field, and, uh, you know, Ike Schonauer was able to step in front of the, the pass and, and pick it off and, uh, gave the ball back to the Bulldogs. Unfortunately, the offense wasn't able to do anything with it, but uh, it just showed you what we talked about, that Wilson was giving up the yardage, but when it count, they stepped up and made a big play. Yeah, yeah, you know, because you, you had mentioned just there that Mifflin had moved the ball, and then uh, but the defense was able to come up with the big play to, to kind of limit any damage that, that could have happened uh, on that drive. Next up is actually another turnover forced by the Wilson defense. This is going to be a fumble recovered here by number two, senior outside linebacker Jake Klein is the one that's going to come up with it. And the Wilson offense will take over. Now we're going to get some some uh, Shane Dantzler highlights. He's going to take the ball here. And a nice, nice open field run, getting getting the first down. And just one of the, uh, the few bigger plays that Wilson had on the night. There wasn't any, you know, that went for 50 or so yards, but there are a couple nice ones, you know, breaking 10, 20 here and there. And you see him, you know, one more guy, if he didn't get caught there, he was gone. And we saw that plenty during the game against Mifflin. He all, Shane Dancer was also involved in the passing game. We see him there taking the swing pass. And he uh, had a really productive time on the ground and through the air against the Mustangs. Unfortunately, Wilson would lose him in the second half to a, uh, a lower body, body injury, a leg injury, one that is still hampering him now. He missed the, the next two games against CD East and Central Dolphin. And from what we've heard, it doesn't look like he's expected to be back anytime soon. Uh, whether or not that's, that's due to the severity of the injury or just a precaution to keep him ready to go. Uh, as some of the big games on the schedule come up in uh, three weeks against Hempfield and a couple weeks after that at Mannheim Township, and obviously to look towards the District 3 playoffs come November. Uh, but Shane Dantzler went down against Mifflin with a knee injury and has not played since. Yeah, so uh, no real timetable there for his return yet. It's kind of seems like it's kind of a week-by-week -week thing, but um, you know, he, he wasn't dressed uh, this, this past week yet. Um, he was kind of on the sideline with, with crutches. So, um, you know, it, it, it's definitely not a, a reach to, to know that he's probably at least, at, you know, um, uh, a little bit from his return yet. Luckily for Wilson, uh, senior running back Bailey McElroy stepped in 
and took over right where Shane left off against Governor Mifflin, finding a couple big holes, making some big plays. And as Coach Dom said after the Mifflin game, that for a lot of the teams in the area, Bailey would probably be the starter um, on many other teams. And uh, here, here's one more Shane highlight for you uh, before uh, he left the game with an injury. Now we get a little jet sweep to Jake Gaiman, who gets the ball inside the five. This is leading up to Wilson's first touchdown of the game, which comes right here via Shane Dantzler, who is untouched going into the end zone. But a few more offensive highlights here for you. Another a nice pass from Colin Powers to Jake Gaiman for a big gain here. And now we look to the flip to the defensive side and we see our second interception of the game. This one by John Fox, the safety three-year starter. And uh, he's been, he's been quite the leader for the Wilson defense over the last three years. And, uh, Continues to play at a high level, both on offense and defense, lining up at receiver on offense. But that play, a nice highlight of his defensive prowess from the safety position, picking off the Mifflin pass and giving the ball back to the Bulldogs. Now a couple more offensive highlights here. Again, back to Bailey McElroy. Filling very admirably for, for Shane after he went out with an injury against, against Mifflin. He gets a couple of carries, and he also contributed in the passing game <clears throat> as well. That that was really the story of the Wilson offense against Mifflin. They get bottled up, and then they finally have someone break through and would get a nice, you know, 10, 12-yard gain. Like I said, there weren't any big hitters, any huge, you know, highlight reel plays, but it was methodical, and they got the job done when they needed to, uh, scoring those two touchdowns. Here, another jet sweep to Jake Gaiman, a really big play for the Bulldogs that evening. And we're about to see here, we should get – set for our second touchdown of the night by way of Bailey McElroy coming up here in a few plays. But, again, I don't, what was your take of the Wilson offense against Mifflin? Um, I think, you know, when, when you look at things like uh, Shane going out hurt and, uh, you know, you have a first-time starter at quarterback, uh, regardless of who it was going to be, it ended up being Colin Powers. Um, you know, I think – there were plenty of good signs uh, being able to see the team uh, move the ball, uh, but there was definitely some signs that there was work to do. Um, like you said, seeing not that you, you love to be able to get the big plays, uh, but I think at times being able to see some of that steady, consistent moving the ball was good. Uh, they needed to learn to finish in, in that game. They needed to be able to finish those drives with points uh, because, you know, against some of the teams they're going to continue to play, um, throughout the schedule, you can't necessarily leave those points on the board. They were fortunate that the defense was up to the, you know, up to the task of holding Mifflin uh, to less than 14 points. You know, holding a team to less than two touchdowns is is no easy task. Um, and Mifflin moved the ball, but the defense was able to hold them to three, which was huge because the offense only put up 14 points. Now, again, I thought there's plenty of positives to take away in that they were able to move the ball. They just lots of mistakes that. Um, or misses, I should say, that led to uh, you know not being able to finish off those drives. Yeah, I, overall, I, I I think the Wilson offense got it done. It's their first you know 
actual real game experience. I'm sure there were jitters. You're playing a rival. You got a new quarterback. You got a couple new linemen on defense. You're missing, like we said, some defensive linemen getting some adjustments there. You have a lot of experience in the secondary, but it's just time to gel. And that's what the non-league schedule is for. Figure out who your team are before you face off against those seven league teams and, and try to win another league title. Um, offensively, the team was the, the teams, Mifflin and Wilson, were pretty evenly matched. They both ended up, um, Wilson had 14 first downs, Mifflin had 15. Uh, Wilson rushed for 184 yards, Governor Mifflin had 213. Uh, where it stands out is Wilson only had 113 passing yards. A, a, a nice debut for Colin Powers, big one, no interceptions. Uh, Governor Mifflin only threw for 31. That's their issue. They were very, very one-dimensional. We saw when they tried to pass, right. Wilson picked off two right. of them. Right, they were 6 of 14 with with two interceptions. So, you know, a, a quarter, you know, or actually, you know, they had uh, 33% as many um, interceptions as they did completions, and that's not going to get the job done unless you're – able to finish off some of those drives. Like you said, they racked up yards on the ground, but they couldn't get in the end zone. Looking at everything that happened against Mifflin, we're going to hand out our first player of the game honors here. And Justin and I talked about it, and we think um, with with what had happened and the, the way the game was going, I think the best person to go to is someone who wasn't even a starter en- entering the game, and that is to uh, reserve running back and now starting running back uh, Bailey McElroy, who filled in so well once uh, Shane left uh, in the second half. He ended up having 13 rushing attempts and gaining 81 yards, getting the uh, pretty much the decisive touchdown to put the game out of the reach there in the fourth quarter, putting Wilson up 14-3. to He also added two receptions for 20 yards, uh, and, you know, getting a, a nice clip there. Um, a little over six yards per carry, 10 yards per reception. Uh, you got to give credit to the offensive play calling. They knew knew what he could do, and he showed uh, what he was able to do and uh, turned in a nice game after only really playing uh, one half of football. Right. So, you know, uh, yeah, you put up those stats in essentially one half of, of touches, and um, that, was, that was a big uh, need for the team for somebody to step in because, like we said – Wilson being able to move the ball was possibly what helped the defense out a lot. Um, if they had been going three and out all the time and giving the ball right back to Mifflin a lot, not being able to kind of gain those yards, uh, then who knows what's going to happen. It's 7-3 at halftime, and Shane gets hurt early in the second half, and who knows what it, you know what happens in, uh, in that second half if Mifflin is only down four and, and doesn't have to worry um, or if Wilson can't move the ball anymore. So Bailey really stepped up and uh, – you know, he, he gets our player of the game award for that uh, week one win. Yeah, so congratulations to Bailey. You're a player of the game for the week one victory over Mifflin. Before moving on to talk about the CD East game, the one thing I want to talk about just quickly is how, and you weren't there to see it, but how ludicrous it was at the amount of cramping that the Mifflin players were going through. It was, it was comical. Like, people just started laughing. And, you know, you don't want to say, well, they're faking it, because I don't think that they were doing that. But it's just, wow. I mean, the conditioning wasn't there. They didn't take proper um, – they, they didn't hydrate properly. But in the second half, it got to be nearly every other play. A player was down on the field. Uh, and it was always cramping. It was never anything you know, right. more significant with a knee or an ankle or something that they're always laying on the field pulling back on their toes, trying to stretch out a cramp. Uh, but there were, I mean, it was commented on by a lot of people, uh, and it was just interesting that that happened during the game in the second half. 
over and over and over again. People were saying it added a good 15, 20, even maybe a half an hour to the length of the game just because it kept half happening. Like I said, you know, after you get to like eight, nine, ten times, you just start laughing about it because you're like, this is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, low scoring game like this, um, it, it did go really long. I think it was o- wasn't over to like, like nine forty or so. Yeah, two hours um, forty minutes and... for for a three score game. You right. Know, two touchdowns. Not and a lot a field of goal. clock stoppages except right. because of the cramps. So right. just an observation, not really a takeaway from it. Just something that you know people are going to remember from that game. All right, in week two, Wilson went on the road again, this time to uh, CD East, the Panthers. You'll remember them from 2014. Wilson played them in their week two non-league schedule, winning that one 31-14. They also then played them in the District 3 Quad A semifinals, which was a, a nail-biter, a tight one, 9-6. to six. I know um, there were a lot of Panthers back on this team that they felt last year in the playoffs that they should have beaten Wilson for whatever reason we're not going to get into there. It didn't happen. They felt um, disrespected. Uh, they felt that they were the better team. So they were really looking forward to this Week 2 matchup. And they, they got to host Wilson now. So it was on their turf. And, you know, they were out for blood. They wanted revenge. They wanted to get back at Wilson for, for what happened last season, primarily in the playoffs. So uh, Wilson entered the game as somewhat of an underdog uh, the Penn Live reporter, all all three of them picked CD East. Now, one of them tried to qualify it after the game, saying they were picking against the spread, which I think Wilson was favored by six. So he was essentially he was trying to say, well, I would have picked Wilson to win straight up, but the spread, I took CD East. Whatever, semantics. High school kids aren't going to care about that, and I make sure that they know when they get picked against. Uh, so going into this game, a lot of people thought CD East Panthers were going to uh, get the better of the Bulldogs. Wilson, a lot of people say, didn't look good against Mifflin. CD East had a, a nice victory against one of the Hershey schools in week one. They were hosting Wilson. Um, but I don't know. Do you remember what happened? Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said, the the team, there were a lot of questions. And Wilson really didn't do anything to, um, you know, calm down those questions with the, with the week one outcome. You know, unless you were there and you kind of saw – uh, the game or, you know, things like that. Um, a lot of people left week one with more questions uh, for Wilson than they did uh, before week one. So usually you hope to kind of sure up some of those things. Uh, but, you know, there was uncertainty about the running back position. There's uncertainty about uh, the defense giving up lots of rushing yards. That There's all kinds of questions after week one. It's going into Central Dolphin. I, I understand why some people uh, were a little unsure, like you said. Outside of Wilson, though, it seemed like a lot of people uh, were on uh, CD East. And you know what? I I think they had a lot going for them, but it didn't turn out too well for them. No, the final of that game was 38 to nothing in favor of the Bulldogs. And Wilson just came out. They were a little slow at first. I think after the first quarter, it was only 3 nothing Wilson. So, you know, the first five quarters of the season, not exactly – what was expected a lot of, you know, I think in most of the statewide football polls, Wilson was a top 10 team. People probably expect a little bit more of offensive, you know, fireworks of, of output from a team expected to challenge for a state title. Things started rolling in this, in the second quarter um, and just continued throughout the game. And it was an incredible defensive performance throughout uh, the offense did their port got a few scores, but there was also a score on special teams, and two scores on defense. So offense 17, special teams 7, 
defense 14. So it was an all-around great game for the Bulldogs in an absolute blowout and de demolishment of the Panthers, who were supposed to be incredibly hyped and ready to go for this game. Now, I... <laughs> Is this the Wilson team we expected? Is CD not as good as we thought? Is the answer somewhere in between? It's Probably. still way too early <laughs> to tell, but usually it's like, you know, yeah, there were a couple bad luck things, but I mean, the Panthers didn't get their first first down until like 22 seconds left in the first half. They had one first down uh, and seven right. total offensive yards right. at halftime. At one point, I think it was 24 nothing at this point, um, but they, the Panthers... Uh, did stop Wilson on a fourth and one at at the goal line, um, and then uh, drove it ninety eight yards basically to the Wilson one yard line, and then um, it just there was a, a mix up with a snap, and next thing you know, um, Wilson is returning it all the way for a touchdown. Um, yeah, I don't know. I assume we have it on, here, on yeah. here, and you'll see it. So in, I started the highlights for those of you just listening. We're, we we started the highlights here against CD East. Uh, the first one was a run by Bailey McRoy, our, our player of the game from Mifflin. He's filling in again for the injured Shane Dan. So the second one was a nice uh, play action pass to Alex Twyford, and then we were highlighted or opened the scoring with um, the Nick Hart field goal to give Wilson a three nothing lead. Um, here's a couple of defensive highlights. There was an incredibly great swarming mentality by the uh, Bulldogs defense all night long. And uh, we got to see uh, Colin Powers open it up a little bit more. After a, a solid debut, he looked to take a step even farther, looked even better against CD East. We saw him throw a nice 35-yard touchdown pass to John Fox. But again, swarming defense, uh, Ben Harris, Nick Klein, Torrey Coates, Alex Twyford, those guys all along, all along the line had an incredible game against the Panthers. And... Uh, they really, they really did quite well. Uh, seeing some of these highlights again, um, we got to see Jake Klein make an appearance at quarterback, running some, uh, some keeper and option stuff, scoring the game's uh, second touchdown after the John Fox reception. Um, John Fox absolutely lit up that kid on that that toss right there, throwing him for a, a two yard loss. Uh, it was, a, it was a great, uh, a, a great moment from the game. And here, if you're watching. This is the special teams touchdown. Absolutely incredible. Let me see if I can run that back here quickly. It's a fake punt. Snap to the up back who gives it to Brian Wright coming around the corner. And there was some great downfield blocking on this. No penalties. An absolutely stellar special teams touchdown. And what a moment to call it, too. Mm. Now, Wilson's up 17-0, but... CD East hasn't threatened at all. The defense has completely shut them down. At this point, no first downs. They hadn't moved. They've all been three and outs or some penalties thrown in. So you're at, I think they were at the 42. 40, yeah, 40-something, 40 42-yard line. Where's the harm in, in faking it? Your defense has shut them down. And what and a perfectly drawn up and perfectly executed play um, by the special teams coaches and, and unit to spring Brian Wright to get him his first varsity touchdown. And uh, like I said, downfield blocking was excellent, and yeah. Brian just took it down the sideline. Um, and, and just what a, what a play. It was it was great. Here, let's watch it one more time. Actually, uh, I talked to Brian about it, and he was telling me um, he, he was a little uh, – when, when they called it, he was like, okay – and then you know he's he's a little worried just uh, from the way they're lined up because uh, 
Yeah, CD East had a, had a, one of their big guys like lined up essentially on him, um, and then he said he had the ball and he looks like scanned real quick and the player he was concerned about was still running the other way and he's like okay <laughs> i guess and then, I'm he, good. and then he realized and he's like starting to close but then he got the blocks he needed and he just was able to turn on up the sideline and uh, finish that off back to the highlights now we're going to see a, another stellar play from the defensive line i believe this is a senior defensive lineman tory coates here is going to spring through um and just absolutely take care of the lineman and take down jihad nybara their quarterback and just another great play by the defense <clears throat> and here again ben harris you know one of the guys just reading the play and then look at the people just swarming to the ball it was like that all night wilson was all over the panthers yeah and and that's that's kind of the mentality you need because uh the panthers definitely have uh you know some of the players who can who can break it and and have like a make a big play out of nothing so um it it's important to finish those plays when you get the chance and in this game wilson was able to do that all right, so I took it back here to make sure that we talked about this next play on the highlights here. This is what I thought at the time was 99 yards. It was actually a, an odd snap or, right. or something happened. It ended up being, I think, 86 yards. Right, right, because that's where he picks up the right. ball. But from the original line of scrimmage. And, well, and from my vantage point, because I didn't right. see that the ball flew back like it hit, did here. But um, this is Wilson's first defensive touchdown of the game, and it's going to go to Jake Gaiman, who's going to pick up the fumble ball. Now, the East had finally gotten some offensive going. They had a huge 50-yard passing play. They got another big play, another 20-yard play, and they're down to the one-yard line. And Wilson was stopping them inside the five, and they got to this second or third down play, and something screwy happens here with the ball. Well, Jake Gaiman picks it up, and if you know how fast he is, you knew that it was game over once he got his hands on it. I bounced right to him, too. Like, he, you know, he hardly had to bend over to pick it up. Um, he caught it in stride and was able to race everyone and beat everyone down the field to, uh, for the touchdown. And like you said, um, you know who knows what happens if if Central uh, or CD East gets in the end zone there. Hopefully, you know I'd like to think Wilson would still be able to be okay uh, at that point in the game. However, that's just kind of you know swung momentum oh, back absolutely. into Wilson to, to you know kind of finish up. Now the you're game. up a minimum of three scores, being twenty-four nothing. Um, but to add insult to injury, uh, the next highlight here is the next big play of the game. And just watch what happens when defensive end Alex Twyford gets a hold of the running back. And thank you very much. I'll take that. I'll take that ball. And yeah, I'm going to go to the house with it. See, I was so confused at being on the, the sideline. I, I, I believe the tweet was, I have no idea what happened. It was. But... <laughs> Wilson just scored a defensive touchdown. Yeah, I had absolutely like no idea what had happened because I thought I had heard whistles. I thought the play was dead. It was not. Right. Um, but thankfully, like, the Panthers were just kind of standing around. Like you saw that one guy that kind of had Twyford right. wrapped up. Now he was trying to get away from him, but it almost looks like he kind of like stopped because I don't know that he knew what was going on. Right. There were no whistles. Right. And he took it to the house and uh, and he, thirty-eight nothing. I don't you know. Don't have too much else to say about that one. What a great. I don't want to say rebound because they didn't. They won against no, Mifflin. No, just we we had said, you know, earlier in the show that there were a lot of questions going into Week One, even for a team with lots of expectations, lots of questions, just unknowns. And Week One really didn't answer any of those. And if anything, the results of Week One, either the score, get you know, uh, giving up some rushing yards, uh, injuries, or whatever, uh, kind of led to more questions going into Week Two. 
And then, you know, week two happens and you're like, okay, well, I think we have some answers now, you know, at least to some of the things. Um, so kind of as, as that played out, I think, you know, we kind of uh, started to see that the, the offense was capable of moving the ball against another high-quality uh, team. Uh, the defense played um, – it's crazy. They gave up three points in week one, and they gave up none, few, none know, less in, in, in the next week. So that was kind of crazy. Give so up three points through yeah. – more electric. Like oh, Wilson yeah. can ground – or excuse me, Mifflin ground and pounds, but we've seen that offense, so we knew what to expect. CD East is a relatively new – you know, we only played them once last year, and we knew the type of athletes that they, they've had there – what they're able to do and to hold them to no points. Now they ended up getting eight first downs, but they said they don't, they got their first right before half. They only had 20 total net rushing yards. Yeah. That's insane. 117 passing. So they didn't even get the 150 total offensive yards. Right. And they were, their average per rush was 0.6 yards. And their average per play was two and a half. Basically a foot and a half. <laughs> they forced they're, Wilson they're defense, like 20 inches. Every time they ran, the they ball. forced eight punts, Yeah, you know? So it was a, uh, it was just a, a all-around solid game. Every phase scored. Every phase looked good. Started a little slow, picked it up, and uh, it, w- it was nice to get that uh, that victory in, in that uh, decisive fashion. And uh, for his efforts, you know, it was tough to pick out a guy in this game because, right. like I, you said, all all three all three phases of the right. game played really well, and there were great plays. You know, Alex Twyford was a maniac. He was catching passes he was blocking he was tackling he was ripping balls out of people's hands and scoring what a great game from him uh, we had the huge highlight play from jake gaiman picking up that fumble and returning it to the mm-hmm. house uh but we we thought looking back on it um we just ended up going a different direction here and i think i i look back on at the point of the game when i mentioned it in the highlights uh when when john fox lit up that the CD East running back or quarterback, whoever had the ball, um, you know, the enthusiasm and excitement that mm-hmm. you just kind of got the team going. He added a, a big 30 yard touchdown reception Absolutely. and he flying all over the field. Uh, he had a, another great solid game for the Bulldogs. And uh, like I said, no one really stood out in terms of, you know, one player going above and beyond and just yeah, manhandling. It was, a team it was an incredible around. team effort. So it was really, really difficult to single out a person for this game. Uh, but Fox had uh, four and a half total tackles. One, one of them that we highlighted for the two-yard loss. And again, he had that uh, that pass reception for the touchdown. He ended up having three catches for 64 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but John Fox is the player of the game for CD East. All right, now. We're coming down to the third and final non-league game. And this one happened just on Friday night. And it was the most anticipated um, early season game in recent memory. You know, it, it's hard to say that with Mifflin because Mifflin's always anticipated. Right. You almost, and, like, don't count that one because right. there's it, so much other alone. stuff. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, and everyone will think back uh, to the game from last year. Um, everyone will think about the lead-up to that game. So that was a huge game, but... Central Dolphin and Wilson right there with Cumberland Valley are the three big teams in District 3 Quad A. So when Wilson signed a contract with them last year to play a two-year series, which has been extended for the next two years, it kind of was a huge deal. And we mentioned this when we talked to Eric Thomas from Central Dolphin. He does the radio for WFMSS. WMSS. (laughs) Um, 
you didn't used to see this because when District 3 only took four teams at the playoffs, you couldn't afford to lose a non-league right, game. Right, No, you had to schedule a game basically that you thought it was a sure win if you were one of those top teams. That was a quad A school. Quad A school, that's a top-level team that we can beat because if we play a small school and win or we lose to even a good team, uh, we could be on the outside right. looking in with one loss. And there are teams that went 9-1 and one and didn't make the playoffs. Right. I mean, they only changed this to 8 and then 16 teams in the mid-2000s. Right. There were undefeated teams that weren't, like, the top seed, one of the top two. They were the 3 or 4 seed, you know, just based off schedule. It was, yeah, it was a very different system than, than the system that's in place now. But that all changed when they moved to the 16 teams. P- teams could open up their non-league schedule. We started seeing some interesting uh, schedules happen. Central Dolphin come and Wilson meeting is, is huge. Like I said, the history there uh, between the two, those two teams in Cumberland Valley, that's most of the success that District 3 Quad A has ever had um, resides in, in those three areas. So last year, Wilson went to Central Dolphin, beat them 14-12. to They then met again in the District 3 Quad A Championship, and Wilson won that one 21-10. So the Rams were, just like their brethren, uh, the CD East Panthers, the Rams were thinking revenge, and they wanted this one bad. They got to come to Gursky. It was Wilson's home opener. It was also uh, the gold out for childhood cancer awareness. Uh, and we got the game, at least the final score, that a lot of people expected that it was a very close, tough, hard-fought battle. Absolutely, uh, people flying around, big hits, big plays, um, maybe a little bit more interference from the refs than you would like to see. And right. I'm not saying this from no, a no, Wilson no. point of view. I'm no. just saying this: there was a lot more flags than you had right. hoped to see, and, and a lot of that was self-inflicted. Oh, right, like yeah, I'm not mistakes. putting it on right, him. Right, just saying yeah. you saw more, you know, more yellow stuff on the turf than you had hoped to right. see. So. You, you and I had the discussion during the game. It wasn't necessarily a great game. It was an exciting game. Right. Um, and I think that goes for it both teams. It wasn't clean. Both teams, I think, feel like they left stuff. They left plays like and they, made mistakes. They played hard, but they made some mistakes. I oh, think. yeah. I don't think um, there's any critique of the effort from either squad no, no, whatsoever. Absolutely. And, you know, from a high school football game, especially, again, week three, you talk about early in the season, still trying to kind of figure things out. Um some carryover from last year in terms of just you know motivation if if you want to add that in not that the guys need to be more motivated but um when you look at it it's just it, there was a lot of hype around the game and the game in terms of excitement lived up to it i think um in terms of you know execution i think both teams uh you know could have been better um who knows what the outcome is if if that's the case if both teams play uh closer to their their peak uh who knows what what the outcome is um unfortunately um you know wilson was on the short end this time they lost by one to central dolphin and and like we said i you know this isn't to say central dolphin you know didn't leave stuff out there because i think they certainly could make a strong argument that uh, you know they had some near misses on on some long plays they had some some things come back on flags touchdown called back it, you know, both teams, uh, you know, self-inflicted some of those, uh, some of those mistakes, and and that catches up with you. And you know, it, you could argue, and I think it would make sense that it caught up with Wilson a little bit more by about one point. By about, yeah, well, I mean, uh, literally, you could see it because Wilson had a, a botched nap and a, a missed extra point. Right. Uh, uh, as a result of it, they had a missed field goal, two touchdowns called back because of penalties. Um, so yeah, and not, I think both were like formation penalties. Most um, of them ended like, up being uh, illegal formation, illegal shift type things. 
Um, I, I no um, clips block in the back or right. anything. Their very Central little, Dolphins was no, called back on a chop block. Very few holding penalties, which right. was interesting because in this game, uh, Central Dolphin definitely has some guys that can get after the quarterback. Right, and uh, Wilson started slow um, as yeah. they have the, the the past couple of weeks. Uh, they they allowed they didn't do anything on offense the first possession going three and out. Central Dolphin drove right down the field and scored. Uh, Wilson offense again couldn't muster anything. Uh, but the defense started to wake up a little bit, get things together, figure out the Central Dolphin game plan, get to where they needed to be. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 the mistakes are killer. Um, Especially when it ends up being a close game. Yeah. When know, it, as, there, there, are, there are games this year, well, you know, I'm saying this off past experience, there are games where some of these mistakes wouldn't affect the outcome. And I don't know if they would have affected the outcome, but when you play a good team, you can't make that. Well, when you mistakes. play a great team, again, both these teams for in most places they're both easily in the top ten. A lot of times, both in the top five. So this was a very hyped up and anticipated matchup right. this early in the season, with a lot of people thinking before the game was played, and now I think after the game was played that these two teams seem destined to to meet again right. in the playoffs. While they both hope it's right. the ch- championship game. There's a couple other teams in District Three that would like to say something about that, but yeah, we, definitely we, we two heard, evenly matched We heard matched that narrative teams. last year as well, and it didn't work out. That yeah, it was way. supposed to be Wilson Mifflin last year, but the CD Rams had something to say about that upsetting Mifflin right. in Shillington. So, there's a lot of football to be played before we would get to that point. Um, I know uh, Wilson would would probably you know um, like to make it that far and, and just have the opportunity to, to try and correct some of those mistakes. Yeah, let's get to the highlights and see some of what was happening during the game. <clears throat> we start out here with a, an offensive. Uh, I think Wilson was already down this game, but a nice pass from Colin Powers to senior tight end Brett Kaufman. Uh, you're going to find a theme tonight, and that is uh, the Colin Powers. Um, yeah. How he got that throw got off. that throw I'm off to exactly Bailey sure. McElroy, who again was filling in for the injured Shane Dantzler. Bailey went down what I think 50, 60 some yards. Yeah. Um, what a huge, huge play that was from from Powers to avoid the rush like that. That was a little bit of a trick play here, as that one went from Powers to John Fox, the receiver, who then tossed it to Alex Twyford to get Wilson inside the five to set up their first touchdown upcoming here. What's interesting is. John Fox, three-year starter at safety, two-year starter receiver. He played quarterback for us at Wilson right. West, so he's no familiar. Uh, he's he's not unfamiliar uh, with the, with the ball in his hands like that. And we saw him flip the pass to Twyford to set up this first touchdown. And it's going to be Twyford who takes the direct snap and gets in from a couple yards out uh, to tie the game seven to seven early on against Central Dolphin. Another offensive play here, and another great one. Uh, from Colin Powers finding Jake Gaiman over the middle. And uh, he can use his speed to make something happen as he gets into Central Dolphin territory. And the play of Colin Powers in such a huge game was very, very impressive. Here he finds a wheel route. John Fox. It was a nice throw. It was a great throw. Um, You know, I I do want to mention that the offense started slow at the beginning, and they did end up giving up five sacks. But the offensive line, I thought, with the hype that the the Central Dolphin defense and especially the Central Dolphin front seven gets, right? Um, I'm gonna pause that there to talk about it. Uh, I thought the offensive line played pretty well. Um, they really got their pass protection better after that first quarter. Um, 
Michael Parsons is, you know, this hyped up, incredibly talented player, uh, only a sophomore asterisk, uh, that had a great first series. But after that, they kind of shut him down. Now, they couldn't shut everyone down. It's just an incredibly talented roster that Central Dolphin has. But Micah Parsons didn't make a ton of noise after the first series or first quarter or so. And they actually flipped him around on uh, an early downs. Instead of rushing against the Wilson left side, they rushed against the Wilson right side because uh, senior offensive tackle Nick Klein um, really started to get the better of him. Right, um, yeah. And it was yeah. one of the reasons that Wilson was able to figure out what to do against the Central Dolphin defense. Right, and, you know, they moved him around and, you know, you know, Wilson is definitely paying attention to where Parsons was uh, because he, he can be a force. Um, you know, you can just look at his numbers and production there, and that's absolutely going to be the case. However, um, you know, again, like you said, you know, giving up five sacks, but that is a super talented uh, defense up front for Central Dolphin. Um, so, you know, some of those things uh, were, were, were in a situation where you wish you could have gotten – you know, maybe just a few less. Um, but again, that, that kind of goes to the talk of, you know, um, the effort was there, you know, they fought really well against those, uh, big and talented guys up front for central dolphin yet, uh, you know, some of the execution just wasn't quite there. You know, you you give up five sacks, it's going to be against a great team. Those are going to be, that's five downs where, you know, you've lost yards. And a lot of times, you know, you're putting yourself way back there. I know a couple of the sacks were for 11 yards. Well, you know, if that's on first down, now you have second that's, and 21. Yeah, it's like, tough to overcome That's really that. tough. If it's on third or if it's on second down, now you only have one down. That, that makes it really tough. So, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that, again, I, I don't know how, when or if they'll see um, a talented front line like that again this year, um, and you know, unless they were to get a chance to play Central Dolphin again. But you can definitely see how Central Dolphins causes problems for a lot of teams because I think uh, Wilson up front is, has gotten better and um, you know is it, going to be you know up there with with a lot of the other teams uh, that would have some of the better offensive lines and Central Dolphin was still able to create problems. Yeah. Now, if you were watching the highlights here, I stopped it. The play before you saw Wilson score a touchdown, uh, that one was actually one of the touchdowns wiped off due to an illegal formation or illegal shift penalty. Um, then here, Wilson went to attempt a field goal, um, which I think initially was about a 27-yarder or, some, or something like that. But you'll see highlighted there is the referee, and as soon as they snap the ball, he tosses the penalty flag, and the um, backup holder actually didn't have um, proper equipment. And... Um, Without warning, they got a five-yard penalty for that. Right. Now, Jake Gaiman is normally the holder. He went out with an injury. He did return later but would get right. in- injured again a, a, a tad later. Uh, so Wilson was forced to go back another few yards, and then unfortunately the field goal was then uh, wide left, as you'll see here on the highlights. Um, and in a one-point game, you know that that's a huge thing. Uh, but a couple of the actual uh, good plays to see from Wilson here was a, a diving catch from Adam Close. And another superb play by Colin Powers moving around in the pocket to find Jake Gaiman, who just makes makes plays in an open field. you got to get him in space, and they were able to do that there. And here <clears throat> on uh, defense, we have a tip ball by Alex Twyford, and Wilson gets the interception. 
and, and a huge play here to attempt to try to get some points, which Wilson is able to do with a backup receiver, Nick Zapone, I think making his first ever varsity reception for a touchdown. Wilson had suffered injuries to John Fox and Jake Gaiman. They were in and out throughout the second half. Uh, uh, a, uh, a young a junior wide receiver comes in and scores a touchdown. Um, Again, a nice a, throw. It was, a, it, it was a very, very it, nice oh, where throw. Where his receiver could get it. But then, unfortunately, what should have been the extra point to tie the game, a low botch snap bounced to Jake Gaiman, who returned to be the holder here. And he rolls out, and I don't know if you'll be able to tell in the video, but he got face masked. You kind of see it when he was, uh, when the camera was panning, unfortunately, but his entire helmet got pulled down. Um, the pass is intercepted, but in high school, you can't do anything with it. But there was no flag on that face mask, which is huge. Right. Now, obviously, Wilson shouldn't have botched the snap, but right there, Wilson should have had the opportunity to try again right? Um, and was not afforded that opportunity. All right, here's an, another uh, defensive play and a sack by Ike Shiner. I looked through the, the uh, video and was trying to find one play where he absolutely lit up uh, oh, yeah, yeah. the running back, and uh, Wayne Sierra announced uh, that Ike Shiner introduced him I don't remember if it was Serb or not, but it was a huge hit, very loud. And for the stadium that was buzzing with the amount of people that were there, at least from the Wilson side, uh, you could hear that throughout the stadium. Right. Um, but there he was, uh, Ike Schoenauer, making a, a great stop uh, on that play. And here's another Central Dolphin turnover, this one on a muffed punt. If you're watching the video, you'll see it here. It's a bouncing ball that it just kind of gets away from him, and Wilson ends up recovering. You could see the Central Dolphin uh, punt returner. It bounced, and he probably should have just let it go, but in an effort to maybe make a play, his head turned away before the ball was in his hands, and it went right off his fingertips, and Wilson was able to get the turnaround there. So at this point, Wilson's still down by 1, 14-13, uh, but they're going to try to make some noise here. And uh, a shovel pass to Bailey McElroy picks up some yardage. Uh, before Colin Powers is able to find tight end Alex Twyford, who is wide open, just absolutely wide open. But he makes a huge play. Um, he got hit basically right when he caught the ball, but he yeah. held on. And that was one of the things that I noticed, and we mentioned it all game. In in the secondary, um, there were a lot of guys, a lot of times that our receivers were able to get open, but either the linebackers dropping back in coverage or the safeties were able to kind of get right there and and be at our guy and, and meet them with the ball uh, really, really well. Um, I was I was actually really impressed with Central Dolphin in in that uh, phase of the of the secondary. It seemed like they always had a guy there to hit the receiver as the ball's coming. So, or I didn't mean it like as the ball gets there. So that that's a great timing and um, you know for our guys to be able to get open was great. But then they were getting they were getting hit when they when the ball gets there. All right, just a few more plays here. A nice toss to John Fox, who makes a few people miss, and he gets the touchdown. Unfortunately, Wilson did not convert the two-point conversion, and then Central Dolphin took the ensuing drive down the field, aided by, on second down, a huge pass yeah, to their tight right end, the which set him up um, right around the five, and they punched in a few plays later. Their two-point conversion failed. Wilson got the ball back with about two, two and a half minutes to go couldn't muster anything uh, failed to convert on fourth down and central dolphin ran out the clock um so the game finished 20 to 19 as you see on the screen right there um but you know we mentioned it kind of at the start of this conversation about this game 
Um, you can't make those type of mistakes against an incredible team that is Central Dolphin. Um, you hurt yourself, but you got to think we made a ton of mistakes. We were facing some injuries, and we still only lost by one. Right. Um, so you got to take the good with the They're bad, right. and you got you all. Right. This game doesn't really hurt you that much in the long run right. if you take care of business in the league. Right. And you know, uh, just some of the post game talk was about just that. You know, the things we mentioned here that. Yeah, no one will fault the effort. Uh, the effort was there. They played hard. And, you know, they were banged up because Central Dolphin is a big, physical, strong team. You know, they, you know, about probably as big and physical and strong as they're going to see this year. Um, you know, not saying they'll face some other good teams, but um, Central Dolphin is is the cream of the crop there. So that's nothing to hang your head about um, in terms of effort at all. Um, so they're very proud of that, but. Uh, when you're playing a great team like Central Dolphin, you can't have that many mistakes um, no. and, and expect to have the positive outcomes. We talked about, you know, those those misses or, you know, and mistakes that happened in week one that kind of, uh, you know, would shut things down on a drive. They were able to overcome that. Um, you know, Central Dolphin, you know, a, a little bit of a step up there in terms of their product this year um, on the field. And it's just, uh, you know, you make those kinds of mistakes again here um, and, and you can't it's tough to overcome that. Wilson was only able to rush for 34 yards, and when you account for the sacks, they actually rushed for minus 16. Mm. Um, it's tough to win a game like that when you don't have the running game going, but they had the passing game going, um, and that is displayed by our player of the game. Uh, Colin Powers was absolutely electric uh, Friday night for the Dolphins. You know, senior, first-year starter, uh, great story, fighting his way through to get to take over the, the reins. Everyone thought it would might be Jake Klein. Uh, Powers had an incredible summer. And his first three games, um, you know, the first two, I don't think people are going to say stand out. But right. what's the big thing that didn't happen? He didn't turn the ball over, which right. is huge. Uh, and, again, against Central Dolphin, no turnovers. He didn't throw any interceptions. And all he did was go 25 of 38 for 339 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, that's that's really kind of incredible. What, what, a, what a great game from Colin Powers. And it just hopefully this just shows the, the maturity and experience that comes with being the starting quarterback. And if he continues to get better, that's, you know, obviously it goes without saying, but that's right. just a great thing for the Wilson team going yeah, forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, you know, there are there are some positives to take out of, out of the game, um, but there are plenty of things to learn from um, and hopefully get better as the season goes on. All right, before we wrap up the show here, we just want, just want to mention – um, some upcoming games. I said at the beginning of the show, next week, uh, Friday, September 25th, Wilson travels to Lancaster to take on J.P. McCaskey. Uh, Wilson hasn't had difficulties with them the last few years, but the biggest thing besides being on the road is that Wilson is expected to be down close to a handful of players, quite possibly. Uh, I believe Shane Dancer likely out. Defensive tackle Max Saloka likely out. Wide receiver defensive back Jake Gaiman likely out. I don't know the status of John Fox, who also had some injuries during Central Dolphin game. Um, could be with with or without him as well. So some big-name key players for the Bulldogs likely to miss the game on Friday against McCaskey. Um, the, the Bulldogs will then return home on October 2nd for homecoming against Cedarcrest before a big showdown at Hempfield on October 9th. And that should be the first big Lancaster-Lebanon League Section 1 test 
for Wilson as Hempfield has started the season 3-0 and and looks to be very, very competitive this season in quad A. Yeah, they've looked very good uh, in their first three games. Uh, and, and like you said, I, they're 3-0. and So, um, you know, they're, they're sitting there with, without that loss. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, they're going to be ready for that game. Uh, Got to handle the business before then. Uh, they don't want to look past McCaskey and Cedarcrest. Right, because, uh, you know, you don't want to get tripped up there. But um, some, some uh, games and definitely some big games uh, coming up in the next few weeks. So, you know, again, like, like we said, uh, when we look at, uh, you know, the first three games, you know, they were definitely able to, to kind of start to figure some things out. Um, still a lot of mistakes and things that they need to clean up, but I'm confident that they'll that they'll get that stuff right um, as they move forward and continue to get better. And then uh, who knows who knows where we'll end up at the end. Yeah, and we'll be back in a few weeks to discuss um, the mid middle part of the league schedule. It might actually be after that Hempfield game. We'll have to see how the schedule falls. We'll make sure everyone's aware of when episode three will air. But yeah, you know Wilson sits at two and one. The loss to Central Dolphin Friday night was Wilson's first regular season loss since September seventh, two thousand twelve. They had gone just forty and three since then. You know, no no big deal or anything like that. Um, forty three games, winning forty of them. That's pretty good. Uh, that obviously includes the uh, district and state playoffs. But you know. The 2012 team was hyped up and expected to do a lot, and they lost in Week 2 to Harrisburg, and all they did was run the table through that district championship game, demolishing Harrisburg in a rematch before um, running into the buzzsaw that was North Allegheny. Yeah, that just buzzed through everyone. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would love to see the same thing this year with, uh, you know, the guys get rallying, coming together, running through the LL League for, what, an eighth straight year undefeated, another an eighth straight championship and uh, then, you know, having their way in the district playoffs with a couple key matchups. And, and if luck would have it, meeting Central Dolphin again, that's a rematch I definitely want to see. Yeah, absolutely. So, like you said, a lot, lot to take care of before then. Uh, and we'll, we'll keep you updated um, best we can. Um, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we're along for a good ride here over the next few weeks. All right. So don't forget, the next Wilson game is this coming Friday against Lancaster McCaskey in Lancaster before returning home the first Friday in October to play Cedarcrest on homecoming. Anything else to add, Mr. Rappel? Uh, no, just uh, keep keep getting better, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been fun so far, so uh, hopefully we can keep this going. Yeah, and I do want to thank our, our first sponsor. actually comes by way of uh, my father, uh, May Sandwich Shop, has chipped in a little bit to help uh, – take over some of the uh, financial strain of setting up uh, another show in terms of equipment and uh, web facilities needed. And again, there's multiple ways you can help out the show, um, uh, including just direct donations, but we also have kind of a rewards program. It's called uh, Patreon. You can find the link on the website, bulldoghour.com. You can chip in a little bit of money per video and get a couple um, prizes and merchandise um, some digital rewards uh, for helping us out and get the show going. You know, we'd love to be able to do this every week, um, but without the funds and the backing of uh, of the school, it, it's tough to do so on our own. Uh, so if anyone would like to contribute, please visit bulldoghour.com and check the how to support the show. And we appreciate any and all offerings that you have because we want to keep doing this. We'd love to be able to do it every week. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, we hope you've all enjoyed the, the first two shows, and we, we're looking forward to uh, the next three for the 2015 season. But I think that's everything, and wrapping up here on the second episode of the Bulldog Hour, I'm Joe Mays, this was Justin Raffoff, and we'll see you in a couple weeks for the third episode of the show.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.